Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Ethan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder, we're on the Anchor app, we're on Spotify, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us so many podcasts and platforms, we don't even know, we can't even keep track of them anymore. And if you're looking for us in the video format, you can find us at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. And we're streaming live on the Colorcast app. With all that being said, Drink, great to have you back for another, another week of just outstanding broadcast excellence. And I'm glad to be here on this outstanding broadcast excellence on another tremendous Tuesday. You know what time it is, folks. We up in here. But before I start, you know, you know, I got to ask you how everything over there with you and yours, man. Good, man. Moving along. How about you? Moving along. Yeah. Speaking of moving along, let me get moving along. You know what it is. Another day, another dollar. We got to give the streets what they need. We see what they don't. Absolutely. Say what they want. Set your dinner plates because it's time to eat. And last but not least, let's talk some sports, baby. Jay, what we got today? Drink one technical issue real quick. Can you turn the volume down on your phone? I think my, I can hear my echo like pretty bad okay. right now. Okay. If we could get that, get the technical department squared away would be great. And it, as you, as you asked, this is what we have. We have episode 25 of season three. We're going to recap week 14 in the NFL, preview the, preview the bowl season college football, and we're going to talk about COVID because why, why not? Uh, but like you said, <laughs> yo, I'm sorry, that COVID got me. Um, but we're going to start off with last night's game against two of the NFC's West best. Um, that was the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, we, we know what... For the most part, what we've been getting out of Arizona, high-flying offense led by, you know, uh, MVP candidate Kyler Murray, uh, Coach of the Year candidate Cliff Kingsbury. But, you know, the Rams came in, you know, signing Matthew Stafford, signing Odell Beckham, signing um, Von Miller, and, and you know, the, the, the rest of the best. Um, we knew these two teams would be, like, two of the, the three teams that we like to talk about at the top of the NFC race. Um, last night, the Rams got a well-needed, notable win, I would say, even though they've been going up and down as of late. The Cardinals, you know, I, I think they gave a valid effort. Um, it was just one of those games somebody had to lose. So, Jay, with that said, we usually harp on three teams at the top of the NFC, those three teams being the Green Bay Packers, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We always had the Los Angeles Rams as a French top team. Did the win last night make, put them back in the top of tier with the other three teams, or did that not move the needle for you last night? I think we had them uh, for the for much of the year. We had them in the in the top tier, especially first half of the season. Then after all the trades and you know the Odell Beckham's and Bob Millers of the world came over, then they started. They had that three game slide. And that's when we really started. This does not compute. You can't add, continue to add more and more talent and just be worse. Uh, but of course, you know, you get back on track against Jacksonville last week. No one's going to care because it's Jacksonville. Uh, but this was, I think this was an important one because their first loss of the season when they were actually, you know, playing well, they lost to this Cardinals team at home. So I think, you know, coming into last night on the road where the Cardinals now are just three and three. Uh, I think I thought it was a big deal. Now I think um, the, the what I was impressed about was the Rams got back to not that their their running game wasn't just you know above board Todd Gurley fantastic the way we've seen it in recent years. You know Sony Michelle twenty carries seventy nine yards that doesn't blow you away, but 
I came away impressed because they were able to get it established and it was effective enough to keep to keep the Cardinal defense honest. And next thing you know, we got Matthew Stafford on the play action and he's just dicing them up with Cooper Cup, who just kind of does whatever he feels like. Uh, Cup with 13 for 123 yards. I mean, just what, what can you do with that? Uh, Odell Beckham, it seems like he's getting more and more involved getting more and more comfortable, had a, had a nice little slant route for a touchdown, six for 77. And then you can hit Van Jefferson on a deep ball from time to time. He can stretch the field. So I, I like what they got going. They seem to, you know, slowly but surely be getting their, st- their uh, stuff together on offense without Robert Woods. And they, they were a little shorthanded last night. They had some, you know, I, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but they got some COVID issues with, you know, Daryl Henderson, you start running back. You're starting tight end. Higby was out. Havenstein, your right tackle. So Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, not there for the defense. That's that's a big deal. But um, I really thought the Rams won this game because they were the stronger team up front. I think they were the better team up front on both sides. And that's not necessarily surprising, um, particularly when you look, I mean, the Cardinals run defense, I, I think it's pretty putrid. They weren't terrible last night, uh, but that, that's still something, an area where you can get them. And then on the other side, uh, you know what time it is. Uh, it's the Aaron Donald show. Uh, Aaron Donald wrecked <laughs> this game. Uh, this man had three sacks. He forced the first interception. Kyler Murray threw with a little tip ball. And uh, he was just a menace in the backfield all night. Um, so, I mean, that's what you that's basically what you have. You have the Rams with a better team up front. The Cardinals, the Cardinals, from a statistical standpoint, um, were a, were a little bit better, you know, total yards, passing yards, rushing, even rushing yards with Kyler Murray assisting uh, them with what he can do on the ground. Uh, they were better, but then you, I mean, they were a little bit better on third downs. Uh, but they lost the turnover battle. They had two interceptions, including a fantastic play Leonard Floyd made early in the third quarter. Uh, and they, they had a couple more penalties and they were just, they were inefficient in the red zone. They settled for too many field goals. And, uh, you know, when, when it was all said and done, I thought the Rams played a much cleaner game. You know, you look at QBR in this game, that's a stat Stafford is, you know, for much of the year been leading the NFL in. Uh, he was he was outstanding in this game. He was flawless. He was back to the fir- uh, this Matthew Stafford who was front running for the M- MVP race for much of the season. Um, and Kyler Murray just, um, you know, 383 yards and added 61 on the ground. I mean, that looks lovely, but um, two interceptions and a 36.1 QBR for him. The, the thing, the other thing I took away from this game is that, and I was thinking about it last night, especially when you, when you take into consideration these two teams and uh, you know, the, the big deal is now in the NFL with the expanded playoffs, only one team's going to get a bye and whoever gets that bye gets home field throughout the playoffs. <clears throat> I, I really question in the NFC, if that's really all that important, because in this particular matchup, both the Rams and Cardinals were unable to protect their home field. And you don't, I don't think of the Rams or Cardinals, um, those respective cities, as particularly tough places to play. Uh, that's not to be disrespectful. That's just how I see it. But then you, you look at the NFC as a, as a larger whole. You add those other teams in there that we think are something to be reckoned with. You talk about Green Bay. You talk about Tampa. Let's throw Dallas in there just to do it. Uh, I don't think Dallas is a particularly tough place to play. Uh, Tampa, is that an elite home field? I'm not sure. Green Bay to me is the, if, if you look at a team in that, uh, in that shuffle, in that group of five team that could, that would really love to play at home field. And I think it makes a difference. It's probably Green Bay. 
But the Rams and Cardinals, in their head-to-head matchup, they've proved they can play on the road. The Cardinals are an undefeated road team this year. Um, like I said, the Rams, uh, I don't – I mean, it's not It's not like they playing – it's not like they got the Chargers home fans coming out for them and just they just outnumbered every single week. But it's still not an, not an elite home field advantage. And in Tampa, not that Tampa – not that they don't play well at home, but it, it's Tom Brady. I mean, they go, they can win whatever. They can win on the road. It don't matter. So, yeah, uh, for this game in particular, the Rams, I think this puts them back in the conversation of those upper echelon teams in the NFC, at least for one week. They've got to be consistent. you got to finish out the season th- strong. But um, I thought this they played – I thought they played pretty well. They were opportunistic. I like their red zone defense. And then overall, the home field advantage that we, is, that we make such a big deal out of, I don't think in the NFC it really is going to turn out to be that big of a deal unless Green Bay – the team that comes out with the number one seed. And with that said, I think Green Bay got a very, very good shot of being the number one seed. I think, um, you know, years in, and I know this is not about Green Bay, but when we're talking about that number one seed and having to go through that cold Wisconsin open, wide open, you know, snow on the ground, you you know, um, having to go through that to uh, to make it to the Super Bowl. I think it's a very good chance this season that you can get that. Uh, I think Green Bay is playing phenomenal ball on both sides of the ball. And, you know, we always, you know, talk trash about who's going to step up with Devontae Adams with whatever. Just pick, pick a wide receiver. They show up. That's all that needs to happen. But to the two teams that played last night, um, listen, the Rams, like you said, oh, we back, baby. That's that's what Matthew Stafford saying. Oh, we back. I thought last night was very vintage of the Rams. And why do I say that? You made a good point. The QBR. Matt Stafford QBR went back to the way it was probably, let's say, what, four weeks ago before they started going up and down. Um, Cooper Cup went back to looking like the leading receiver in the NFL like he once was um, with his performance. And dare I I say, now you got Van Jefferson back as the third receiver. What do you know? Now you got... Odell Beckham um, seemed to be uh, fitting in quite well as the number two receiver with Robert Woods out. Um, I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't think it's an argument there. Cooper's one, Odell's two, Van Jefferson is three. Um, and I think, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, we might have talked about this at, a, at, at an earlier time. I think roles matter with teams more than we want to think they do. And you have to know what role you play. I felt like the Rams last night, they got their roles. Cooper Cup, you the one. Odell Beckham, listen, we know who you are. We got it. But you're going to be the two on this team. You ain't done that in like three, four years. Like, let's knock it off. You're going to come here, you're going to be the two. Van Jefferson, we barely know who you are. And your dad coaching on the other sideline. So we're going to put you at three. So, they and they played that way. Another thing I, I like, Sonny Michelle finally came alive. Now, if you remember... When they made the trade with, with the Patriots to get Sonny Michelle, I, I was, like, hyped about that because I thought, hey, Sonny Michelle, you know, former, you know, first-round pick, you know, now he's going to get a chance to come and be the man on a good team. And I think we, he get a change of scenery going to do him well. And it didn't quite turn out that way from the start. But what I seen last night is what I had envisioned for Sonny Michelle when he got, you know, traded to this team. I was like, hey, you know, 
this, this guy should be the number one. He's going to take care. And I think he's going to be pretty good. And I thought he looked really good last night. Um, Did, did you have some? No, no, I, I agree oh, with you. Oh, okay. Okay, wait, wait. I, I thought you were trying. Um, so I, I, I liked that last night. And into last night, you know, listen, here's the deal. For anybody that watched that game last night and think Aaron Donald is not the best um, defensive player in the league, you're kidding yourself. I didn't see one single snap where he got a one-on-one. Um, I mean, it was a two-on-one every snap, sometimes probably a three-on-one. Like, it, they just showed no respect to the other defenders out there on that line. They're like, listen, long as Aaron Donald don't beat us, whatever. And, I mean, he to his credit, he still made plays. But I just thought looking at that, that that's that's what you want out of your defensive player. It was like, listen, I might not do anything tonight, but I'm gonna demand my respect, and that's what he got last night. He demanded his respect. Um, as you see, you know, with the Cardinals' offense, you know, yeah, the defense, you know, could have been better. But listen, listen, sometimes when you play good on good, you're gonna get beat. That's just what it is. I got it. It's the NFL. I don't think every time someone gives up a touchdown. Oh, that team's a bomb on defense. Oh, they're so good. They're hot garbage. It's, it's the NFL. Everybody's professional. Everybody's getting paid a lot of money to do what they're supposed to do. So it's going to happen. I, I thought, like I said, um, in the lead-in, like, it was what it was. These are two of the most elite teams in the NFC. They happen to play in the same division. Somebody got to win the game. Somebody got to lose. Okay, I know it's the regular season. You can have a tie. But in the sense of the word, Every, somebody got to win, somebody got to lose. And, and it happens to be the Rams that won last night. But I tell you, Kyler Murray, man, he looked at every bit um, of an MVP candidate, I thought, last night. Um, I thought Cliff Kingsbury probably, you know, even though he lost the game, he probably opened some more eyes. So, okay, the Cardinals can't play with the upper level. You know, even though we – I know you don't like that run defense all that much. But even though that run defense is suspect, still – you look at these teams, you say Cliff Kingsbury, possibly the coach of the year, Kyler Murray, uh, possible MVP. With all that said, they put it together. Hell of a Monday night game. That was my thoughts from the game. All right, we continue on with our week 14 recap. A lot of great action um, on Sunday, including the Cleveland Browns getting a much needed win over the Baltimore Ravens. They won that one 24-22. Elsewhere, you had the uh, the had a couple overtime results with San Francisco and Tampa Bay winning in overtime in Green Bay. It was a pretty interesting Sunday night game with a lot of uh, highlights, and Chicago led that one a half, but Green Bay ends up taking care of business 45-30. Drink, what stood out to you on Sunday? Well, the first thing, uh, we're going to get into this first order of business, the Cleveland Browns defeating the Baltimore Ravens, folks. Um, it's not necessary about the result of the game. Listen. The Browns won. Listen, it was about time. We've been hammering them week after week, talking about the inconsistency of the team. You know, you know my motto. It starts with Baker Mayfield. It ends with Baker Mayfield. Um, so the Browns well needed win for the division division, well needed win for their playoff hopes. Um, but the Ravens was the concern for this game. The reason I want to talk about this game, because you know, Lamar Jackson. End up leaving the game with a sprained ankle or something of that that nature, um, and I understand he would be day to day from this point on. The problem is, 
Lamar Jackson is what we like to call a runner first, then a passer. Because you can miss me with that passer thing. Like, listen, I'm watching him play. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say he'll run a first, then a passer. And your ankles are very valuable when you like to run. And when you're thinking about that ankle, you tend not to run. So when you're a running quarterback and you don't run, guess what you do do? You force a lot of things. I'm just saying, what the Ravens don't need is if Lamar Jackson plays, if he plays, because I can see, you know, John Harbaugh probably resting him for a week or two, letting Tyler Hunley get out there and flop around and see what he got. Because we talked about this before the show. I love when people say, hey, man, uh, Tyler Hunley came in there, man. You seen him? He looked good, baby. He, he came in there. He could have won the game. And I love it. Yeah, absolutely. He looked good. Now, tell me what he looked like next week when the team actually have a game plan for him. Get, if he looks good in that following week, then I, I'm, I'm more willing to say, hey, this, this dude is the goods. But usually, usually, and I mean, what, about 80% of the time, when that backup come in, they, they play well. You know, they didn't, they, it's not much of a script on them. But that next week, usually a, a telling story. So the Ravens end up losing, which end up, you know, dropping them down as far as the seeding go. And, and I think it, it, get, it boosted the Patriots up in the seeding. Um, so that the whole AFC got affected, you know, by that, by that game. But, you know, I, I've been talking about how the Browns just ain't cutting it. And they, they finally won a tough game because I, I do think this is a tough game, tough divisional game. Second game I want to talk about, the Atlanta Falcons defeated the Panthers 29-21. AJ. We got to talk about this Cam Newton thing, man. We got to talk about this. <laughs> it lifted. I ain't going to lie. It lifted all good. We, he, I'm back. Oh, it, yep. that, that, you know, that weekend, we, we was talking. We was popping. Okay, look at Cam Newton. He looking good out here against the Redskins. I mean, against the Washington football team. Sorry, please don't. Don't ban me. Um, <laughs> he looking good out here um, against the Washington football team. And, um. We, you know, we we talking. We're like, man, you know, if Cam can keep this up, if he can knock that rust off, man, Carolina could be something. And he got benched for PJ Walker. PJ Walker. Yeah. Now, to his credit, he did come back out in the third quarter, and he was the starter in the third quarter. But I don't. Listen, you got benched for Cam. You got benched for PJ Walker. I'm I'm sorry. That one gonna be a stain on the old resume right there. I don't give a rip what Matt Rule talking about. If you was not, if you was this, as good as he say you were, then he wouldn't have benched you. So I don't care what he say after that. You know, hey, I want him to come out and clear his mind a little bit. This ain't no rookie. What are you talking about? This ain't no second year quarterback. This dude, he's, he's a bit envy. Click. Okay, cool. So um, that that was a little concerning. I, I think the Panthers goose might be cooked. Um, I don't really see much coming. You can't lose to the Falcons like I mean, come on, man. The the Falcons ain't did much of nothing this year. Much of nothing. They got smoked by the Eagles, for God's sakes. I mean, smoked by the Eagles, obliterated by the Eagles. And we don't th we're not that high on the Eagles. So, um, I, I, I think Matt Rule's work is cut out as far as the quarterback. Um, I was joking before the show. I said, here come the um, Kenny Pickens show. Uh, they're going to go ahead and draft Kenny Pickens or, or Matt Corral or, you know, wait until the second round and get you some of that Carson Strong 
Oh, oh man, this quarterback class is off of this year. But, uh, you know, they, they might, you know, stick around and get one of those guys. And then last but not least, I want to, you know, hit on Tampa Bay Bucks on uh, defeating the Buffalo Bills and say, what in the hell is going on with the Buffalo Bills? My God. Where you at? Come. Josh Allen, $258 million, and you start doing this crap? Like, what are we doing, man? Golly. See, this is what I'm saying. Man, they, they, every time they cut the check, here come this tomfoolery. Here come this tomfoolery. They, they pay you, and then you don't pay them nothing. Um, Listen, Little Fournette, right? Let me go ahead and give him his flaws, because I don't want to stop. I don't want to skip over this, this segment. Saying, all right, Leonard Fournette, I appreciate you, man. You've been through a lot since you've been in the NFL. Come fourth overall pick, fighting fans, fighting teammates, you know, doing it all, man. Just you know, whatever, showing that Louisiana toughness that most people like. And for you to come back, you know, you're getting paid a lot less. Your role is diminished. People starting to say you, well, they can't say you're a bust, but people saying you didn't live up to the building, and then you come back and um, you, I, I thought he was the bright spot for the Bucs. I mean, don't get me wrong, Tom Brady played. Tom Brady was Tom Brady, threw some touchdowns. But I, I really like how Leonard Fournette, you know, did what he did on the ground. I, I was like, yo, that's the dude. That's the dude Jacksonville drafted right there. That, that's him. That's Leonard Fournette right there. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Um, and I thought I will give the Buffalo switch back over to the Buffalo Bills. I give them this. They did fight back. They did get back in the game. It did go over the overtime. So I, I would give them something for the fight. But why do you have to fight? I don't understand what is going on with this team. You you brought back every piece you needed to be a championship level team. Yeah, I got injuries. But hell, this is the NFL. Who gives it? No one cares about injuries. Go out there and win the game. I'm sorry. But when you're throwing these millions around, we need wins. We need the dubs. Come on, man. So um, those was the three games that that, that, that caught my eye in, in week 14. What say you, Jay? Just got to get back in on uh, Baltimore-Cleveland. Not that I really care about Cleveland at, at this point of, uh, of the season. But I, th- I think Baltimore's done. Uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson now dealing with an injury – um, Baltimore was kind of, you know, getting by, by the skin of their teeth for much of the year. Uh, now he's going to be banged up. I got to believe that's going to affect him somewhat. The schedule's really tough to end the year. They get, they got Green Bay at home coming up. Then they go to Cincinnati. They got blown out by Cincinnati earlier this year. And then they finish up at home against the Rams and Steelers. None of those games will be easy at all. They may, they, Hard to believe that they'll just fall completely out of the playoffs, but I don't see them as being a threat. They're too they're too wounded at this point to, you know, be for me be a serious a serious threat to um, probably Kansas City or New England. They're looking like the best two teams uh, in the AFC right now. They're certainly the hottest teams. And speaking of those guys, uh, Kansas City man, they on a roll, and I almost feel like I almost feel like they're under the radar somehow. Like I don't feel like they're get they're quite getting talked about it's almost like you know a couple of month and a half ago maybe it's like what's wrong with kansas city they're out here three and four or whatever just not getting it done patrick mahomes out here looking quite pedestrian well they've done they haven't done anything except once win six games in a row and i get it like there's there's been 
moments along and long stretches where the offense still doesn't quite look right. But this defense is playing out of their minds right now. There was a, and this seems to happen like year, year in and year out with uh, this unit with uh, Steve Spagnolo. Like, no, normally in the first half, we look at the Chiefs defense and like, man, they're going to stop anybody this year. Anybody or anything. Run pass, special teams, trick plays, reverses. Could we do anything? But then as the year goes along, they, they get it together and they, they've given up nine points in three straight games. They haven't given up more than 17 points in this six-game winning streak. So even though you have, you know, they, they only beat the Giants 20-17, to they only beat the Packers 13-7, and then the Cowboys and Broncos 19-9, 22-9 to but uh, I don't. I think the Raiders are about done uh, seeing the Chiefs this year. Drink, <laughs> can I interest you in uh, these, with this 48-9, uh, they beat the Raiders this year 89-23. Uh, I think um, whoever I, I don't even remember the dude's name that coached the Raiders now, post to John Gruden, but uh, it was such a lovely story at the beginning of the sea uh, at the beginning when the guy comes out there and beats and they beat the Denver Broncos in his first game and they right. talking about how players right. love him and all this right. stuff. What? <sighs> yeah, that was real cute. Uh, hey. He didn't lose. I, I, sorry to cut you off, but I'm going to say it like this. I think it, it goes hand in hand. You know how I got the philosophy on backup quarterbacks? It's the same thing with backup coaches. You get that one look, that victory, that one game you take over, and then people say, oh, that's the coach? Let me look at a little tape. All right, we're going to take care of from here. And then you usually get what you got now. Yeah, they, beat the, they beat Denver and Philly to start off, and they have lost uh, five, of six, five of six since. So, um I think that yeah, they're they're also done at this point. And um, the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders, they were three and zero to start the season. Then they were five and two, and they just they do this. This is what they do. They come out here and they do a little tease early in the season, and then by the end of the year, you're like, man, that team was that team eight and eight, seven and nine. Yep, fraud alert. Anyway, uh, I gotta say, um, speaking of fraud alert, have you, anyone anyone watching Cincinnati lately? That was a team who we were looking at. You know, it seems like as soon as people start believing in Cincinnati, um, flop show. They just, yeah, they just, they just kind of, you know, just they just don't get it done for whatever reason. And um, a game at home against the 49ers, who have been pretty inconsistent, they never, they they always have all the running backs hurt. Uh, you know, they, they down to some dude named Jermichael Hasty running the ball. I mean, it's just, I don't even know what, I don't even know what's happening over there, but they, you know, well, they were five and two, then they lost to the Jets. Then they, then the Browns blew them out. Then they blow out the Raiders and the 49 and excuse me, the Steelers. And now they just lost to the Chargers 41, 22. And you lose this to the 49ers. They're not a good home team. They just lost both. They just lost both of these games at home. The last two. Um, I mean, I just, I mean, it looked like they kind of, sort of. I mean, they're a respectable team, but they just not somebody we should take seriously from a contending standpoint. There's people that right. thought they would win the AFC North, and they still very well made because I think Baltimore is stumbling right now. We know Cleveland's just not. We know Cleveland's not consistent. And neither is Pittsburgh. It's just, it's going to be like, it's going to be fun to watch to see how that plays out down the stretch because none of those teams are consistent at all. 
but Cincinnati is definitely a team that we should be sus- uh, suspicious of, even though they, they do have a lot of talent, particularly on the offensive side. And, uh, you know, last, and this is probably one that, you know, isn't all that important in the grand scheme of things. But I tell you, I, I am so grateful that the Denver Broncos played the Detroit Lions this week because, boy, oh, boy, did them guys come out and uh, they paid Demarius Thomas one heck of a tribute. Uh, 38-10, beat the hell out of them from the start. Uh, that that might drink, this might be a stretch, but Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, that may be the best one to punch in football as far as running backs go. I mean, these guys get after it. Uh, Javante Williams. In, you in think, his... Oh, and the only one, that, the, the combination that comes to mind is maybe the, the combination Green Bay got with, with um, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. That's the That's only one, one that really comes off, off the top. That's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. I, I will say this. I think the difference for me is Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers. And Denver has Teddy. And Denver has Teddy Bridgewater. So I mean, you That's know, priority, priority number one for defenses is like we got to go get these running backs, and yet they still make it happen. I mean, and I really think like I think the fans like really want more Javante Williams, but Melvin Gordon keeps coming out and he keeps playing really well. He's making it. He's making it difficult. He's like, hey man, young gun, I know you're hungry, but I'm hungry, but I gotta eat too. You know what I'm saying? Right. I got a family to feed, man. The, the defense, <laughs> they, they, the two turnovers they forced, uh, they had the 88 logo on the sidelines. They put the football around the 88. Uh, the tribute to start the game, they only took the field with 10 players. I thought it was a classy move by the Lions to decline that penalty, uh, just start to finish. Uh, and just all the tributes throughout the week, it really uh, really illustrated what not only what a, a special player Demarius Thomas was, but um, a special person he was. Drink, we're now going to move to uh, college football bowl season. There's a lot to get to. Uh, we probably won't get to everything because there's a lot. Of, there's a whole lot that's just uh, you might call it some tomfoolery or just some some rinky yeah, dink nonsense. If we get through all these man. games, we went through every every one of these games. Uh, they would probably yank us off the platform. They'd probably accuse us of pussyfooting around. <laughs> Such as if I was to spend some time on the lending tree bowl between Eastern Michigan and Liberty. Yeah, I don't even know what I couldn't even figure out anything to say to that. Anyways, a, a lot of action. It starts December 17th with the Bahamas Bowl. And for some reason, the Tax Act Texas Bowl is the last bowl game, not counting the national championship game, LSU and Kansas State. And that one, plenty of plenty of stuff to, to get into, drink. But uh, give me give me what you're looking for. And, and before I get into here, you know, full disclosure, um, we would not cover the playoff games because we consider the playoff games separate from these regular bowl games because of the significance of the playoff game. So just want to throw that out there. Um, yeah, so December 17th, we start with the Bahamas Bowl here, Middle Tennessee and Toledo. Look, here's the deal, man. I got a philosophy. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I was trying to, you know, be somewhat professional. I know we got an anonymous listener in, in, in the box here. So I was thinking, let, let me try to put all the profession. I can't do it, folks. I just, I, I just can't do it. I, I'm going to keep this real. Um, if Half of these teams I never talked about one time this season. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Jim, Jimmy Kimball Bowl ain't going to be the reason I talk about you now. Um, so um, I'm going to mosey on down here to this uh, uh, bow. Let's, we'll start December 29th. I think it's some... 
it's a it's a bold thing that I could deal with on the 29th. Um, so with, the, with this cheese is bold, right? Clemson, Clemson, the, a perennial a perennial powerhouse playoff team year in and year out. Man, how how far have they fallen? They are in the cheese it bowl versus Iowa State. Woo! Can can I get a quarterback for two hundred, Alex? Um, then you got the you know the the Alamo Bowl, Oregon versus Oklahoma, which I think. Listen, two teams that lost their coaches to other to new jobs, but these two teams still got some talent on the roster that could come out to be a pretty good game because you got to think, bowl season as much as we 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 crack on it. It does serve multiple purposes, right? Getting your team ready for next season, put you know, bringing some um, some inspiration, some courage, and some credibility into the next season, and then two, just for the coaches to see what they have on the roster at this point. You have players that opt out to get ready for the draft. You got players that go to the the transfer portal. You got players, you know, that's already hurt, or you have players that miss majority of the season and they come back to play in the bowl game. Um, so. With that said, this gives you the opportunity as a coach to, you know, do some homework or do some research. See what you got. See see who you want to keep around, who you don't want to keep around, what may have you. So I liked that bowl right there. Um, the Music City Bowl, Tennessee versus Purdue. Uh, listen, I, I got it. It's Tennessee. But I did like what Tennessee did this year. Had, did, did, did they knock my socks off? No. But they took a huge step between – you know, what they were last year, and then in Josh Heupel's first year, he showed some of that UCF flavor with, with Tennessee, I thought. And I thought that offense was, you know, for the most part, they was in a top 10, you know, category for the majority of the season. They started playing some heavyweights, and then they kind of shrinked down. But they were, they were there. We did see some March, a March difference in that team offensively, especially, you know, when Malik Hooker, you know, started doing what he was doing. Um, I mean, Hendon Hooker. I'm sorry. I don't know who Malika. Hendon Hooker. Um, but um, we've we seen that. Uh, so I, I am interested. And then Purdue. Listen, we talked about Purdue on multiple times, uh, multiple occasions this season. They always they came out here and just completely waxed Michigan State one week. And then we thought they was going to be ready for um, Ohio State that next week. And that did not happen. That was a flat line. So, um, Purdue, you know, capable team of beating Tennessee. I, I think that's a game I'll be interested. Moving on to December 31st, you know, I'm looking at this tax slayer bowl. Your, one of your favorite ACC teams, Wake Forest here, going against, you know, Texas, <laughs> Texas A&M. <laughs> the, fight, the fighting, you know, Texas A&M, the fighting Jimbo Fishers over there. Um, Mr. $100 million himself. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm 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 interested in that Gator Bowl. I'm not gonna lie to you. Now, January first, baby, New Year's. That's when the fireworks really start. Uh, let's go ahead and keep it real. I mean, and the reason I say that is because once again, let me repeat, we're not talking about the playoff game. I know those games are on December 31st, but you know, January first is when we start getting the 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 other New Year's Six Bowls, and the New Year's Six Bowls is what we wake up for. Um, so. With that said, we start – and another thing I like about the January 1st games is we start getting the Big Ten versus the SEC. These are the two conferences that we look at as the two best conferences in college football, and then they start playing, you know, playing each other. 
you know, it gets a little, <laughs> shall I say, competitive. And we, we start making up things as these games go along. Outback Bowl, we got Penn State versus Arkansas. I think that's an evenly matched game now. Being that both teams, I watched both teams play on multiple occasions. So I, I think, you know, Penn State with that defense that's been steady. The offense been rocky, but the defense been steady. And then I'm looking at Arkansas. Arkansas defense been okay. Offense, uh, you know, hit or miss. But I, I thought the defense been okay. Um, the Citrus Bowl, Iowa and Kentucky. Listen, we don't I, – I know me and you, we, we like to give Mark Stoop his flowers for what he do at Kentucky. Um, and I, I think he has built a hell of a program now. I, I think that's a, a top three program in the East or the SEC that just get overlooked. But then you got Iowa coming in. We, we, we gave, you know, Kirk Ferentz his flaws. We we actually, well, I, I speak for myself. I actually thought Iowa was a real contender when it was number two. I said, oh, Iowa, the fossil offense, they're going to be good this year. And Crisco, it was not. Um, they end up losing every game that kind of matter. Um, so um, and that's including the win against Penn State. Like I say, they say if Sean, if, um, you know, Sean Clifford wouldn't have got hurt, Penn State would have won that game. Yeah, who knows? Um, Fiesta Bowl, the first New Year's Six Bowl. Um, Notre Dame versus um, Oklahoma State. Look, here's the deal, folks. When we start getting into New Year's Six Bowls, these were teams that could have made the playoffs but did not make the playoffs. Um, but they was in the conversation. Notre Dame was definitely in the conversation, if I'm not mistaken. Notre Dame ended the last poll at number five, so they was only one spot away. Oklahoma State ended up dropping out of the top 10 virtue to losing the Big 12 championship to Baylor. But before that had happened, we were talking about Oklahoma State possibly being in the playoffs. We needed some things to happen. Well, they needed some things to happen, I should say. Um, but they were in the conversation. We go to the Rose Bowl game. Ohio State came up short this year to Michigan. So they'll be there as an at-large, the at-large Big 10 representative. But then we got they'll be going against Utah which is the Pac-12 champion uh, by virtue of smoking Oregon twice. So um, I think that Rose Bowl game will be, you know, listen, Utah wasn't never brought up in the playoff conversation. Ohio State was, but, you know, if you don't play in your conference championship and you're not at least one loss, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. Usually that one loss team that make the playoffs, i.e. Georgia, as an at-large team, you got one loss or no loss. Um, and two losses, the committee have yet to show that they're going to show respect to a two-loss non-champion. Um, and then the Sugar Bowl, we got Ole Miss here. Um, listen, man, shouts out to Lane Kiffin, man. He done made Ole Miss really relevant this year. I mean, Ole Miss hung around the top, at least the top 15 all season, I felt like. Even with the losses that they end up occurring during the season, they still they, they hung around the top 15 once they cracked the top 10, they stayed in the top 10. Um, I, just a wonderful season by Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin really deserved kudos for what he did with Ole Miss. He got Matt Corral. People talk about first-round pick. Um, you know, said he was somewhat of a Heisman snub. A whole bunch of things. So, Ole Miss, really, they had a really solid season. Now I'm looking at Baylor, the, the actual Big 12 champion. They, they did beat Oklahoma State. Um, so, I think the Sugar Bowl, man, let me tell you something, man. I'm really ready for that. I'm, I, I'm excited about these New Year's Six Bowl games. And um, before I get up out of here, I just want to say, I think this, first of all, like you said the scheduling guy. I, we didn't talk about who named these both. 
What the tax act? What like what are we doing here? What the tax act? What I, I mean, we keep this up. We're gonna have a bowl named the stimulus bowl, the stimulus check bowl. Who who want it? We hey, don't worry. We'll play it in Washington D.C. That's that'll be the plan for it. So with that said, don't you know those? Are, that's what I'm looking at for bowl season. Can't wait for it. Can't wait to get into the topic when we we actually talk about the playoff games. Just, I have to. Uh, I have to get in on some of these um, some of these names real quickly. The the tail greeter cure bowl cure for what tail tail greeter? How about the cricket celebration bowl? What a celebration! South Carolina State and Jackson State. At least Dion. I guess Dion be there. That maybe that'd be something. Uh, what else we got here? We got the. A classic, classic, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, with Hawaii getting home field advantage in that one, uh, the Wuhan Lab Bowl. I'm just playing. I, ju- I just made that one up. That's not real. Shout out to the I was next look, I, I was looking. Hey, look, I'm looking through the notes like, oh, shoot, I missed that one. <laughs> I missed that one. Uh, yeah, let me, uh, let, me get into, let me get into something that matters. Um, yeah, the old the Gator Bowl. Yeah, Wake Forest, Texas A&M. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm about to call them fake wars. That's where I'm at with them because uh, they just I, I I consider them illegitimate. But I will say, look, Dave Clawson with uh, Sam Hartman and all these guys, they had a heck of a year. They did. And uh, look, that's the type of game. It, it all depends. And this is one where um, this is one where I can see. And it depends on which game, like which side. Like for Wake Forest, that's going to be a game that should mean something to them, because you got an opportunity to come out, finish off one of your best, one of the one of their better seasons in recent memory, and right. beat a, a Texas A&M team. You know that coming in was preseason top five, top ten. They were they were up there, right. and that's the team that beat Alabama too. So right, right, right. I'm looking. That's just an example of like Wake Forest should be motivated. How motivated is Texas A&M going to be, considering you know the preseason expectations they had? Uh, now the the games on New Year's Day, I, I do like some of the you do, you do got two Big Ten and uh, SEC matchups. To me, th- those are opportunities for the Big Ten to make you know somewhat of a statement. And I think when you look at Penn State and you look at Iowa, to me those are those are upper echelon teams. Whereas Arkansas, Arkansas definitely to me is about what middle of the pack. Kentucky maybe slightly above average. So, um, that, that, I mean, the the narrative for me out of those two games, if Penn State and Iowa come in here and handle business, good wins for the Big Ten. But uh, man, Arkansas and Kentucky get them. It's like SEC gonna be out here flexing off that. We already got two SEC teams in the playoffs just because they that good. And now you got the, you know, the little brothers down here, Arkansas and Kentucky, just whipping up on some of the Big Ten teams who, it's, I just, I find it incredible that Penn State and Iowa were number two and number three at one point and played each other. And we thought it was a big deal. It turned out to not mean anything. I, I, I just, I cannot get over that. <laughs> but um, I, I got to say, just to go back to names real quick, I really miss when the Fiesta Bowl was sponsored by Tostitos. Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. I just think that has right. the, the most pure ring to it. It just made me want to pop open a bag right now with some salsa, you know, <laughs> get it. Uh, PlayStation, PlayStation. They just don't have the same ring. 
I do think I do think that'll be a compelling game. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, that'd be their first game under new coach Marcus Freeman. Oklahoma State again. How motivated are they going to be coming off uh, that loss against Baylor? Uh, the Rose Bowl, Ohio State, Utah. To me, that uh, I don't know, man. I, if Ohio State come out there with the right mindset and focus, I think they're gonna roll. I think they're gonna roll Utah. I really do. And then uh, there goes Baylor and Ole Miss. Uh, Baylor, the Big Twelve champs. That's an opportunity for them to be the quality uh, SEC team. And uh, and Lane Kiffin. And then uh, elsewhere, you know, a couple other ones that stand out too. I think the Alamo Bowl is a good one that's worth watching between uh, Oregon and Oklahoma. Those are two, um, two of the uh, better, two of the better programs in their respective conferences, at least for now for Oklahoma before they go to SEC. We don't know about how that's going to work. And then I think an underrated one. How about this? Uh, how about this Duke Mayo Bowl between who's going to be the best team in the Carolinas? Going to be North Carolina or South Carolina? I just, I just look at that one and just. Aesthetically, that looks like that might be uh, one worth watching. Definitely a lot of stuff. You, if you like college football, you're going to get a lot of it over the next two weeks or so. Oh, yeah. All right. So to our favorite, well, maybe Jay's favorite subject, um, COVID-19, man, it's, it's running wild in the NBA, man. We had the Bulls. I think the Bulls was like the headliners for a little bit. I'm reading the Lakers had the shutdown shop. The Nets starting to shut down shop. Um, other teams are shutting down shop. Jay, what in the hell is going on with the NBA? And, like, do do this start to concern you that the season might be in jeopardy here? I just saw, I just real quick, I have to read some of these headlines. Because okay. this, to me, this, the reason we're talking about this for the most part is, uh, is uh, the the Bulls the the situation with the Bulls because the Bulls have mm -hmm. had two games that have been had to be postponed because they got like ten people in health and safety protocols. Right. So that was kind of what I was looking at, just talking about that because now we actually having teams having to uh, postpone games. But if you look at just you look at the NFL and NBA ESPN pages, you just read the headlines. There's like at, le at least half the headlines on the where it says top headlines are all COVID. Uh, and this is an updated with the Nets had five people. It's up to seven now. Harden and Brown in a protocols. Nets list now is seven. Lakers cancel practice at the positive COVID test. Oh my gosh. They had a, oh no. Uh, NBA officials expect COVID uptick in the January. That's positive. No pun intended. NBA postpones next two Bulls games amid outbreak. Well, let's go over to the NFL. How they doing? Oh, OBJ, we talked about him in the first sec. Well, he's among nine players placed in a COVID list by the Rams. How about Landry and Teller among eight Browns put on the COVID list? WFT, that would be the Washington football team. Their COVID list has expanded with Fuller and Settle. I don't know who Settle is, but he on there. Chiefs defensive tackle Jones on COVID list. Sneed returning. Well, at least Sneed's returning. I guess that's some good news. Drink, um... This is tr this is troubling to me. Not that not that people are getting COVID because you notice. I don't feel like you will notice. And I read a good a good uh, most of these stories I read. And the thing that's missing in all this drink, who is actually sick? Who by that I mean who is actually having a hard time with this? I think we have to start asking questions 
critical thinking questions and wonder we we can't we can't do things like this like the bulls being they the bulls have 10 players in health health and safety protocols you know one quote that i read that was really telling it was from bulls coach benny donovan you know what he had to say he said we got a lot of guys he said we got a lot of guys sitting at home with no symptoms what does that mean to me that means and i I doubt billy donovan is going to take the next step but i'll do it for him when do we go ahead and say uh guys i think uh we have a 97 percent vaccination rate in the nba i think it's time we start um i think i think we might have to start playing games i think we might have to just i mean a drink can you imagine if this was the 1990s and people, when we did this for like the flu, oh my God, because you know what happens, Drink, people pop up all the time, or they have in, in history, and uh, oh man, dealing with flu-like symptoms, I hope he'd be able to play. You know what happens when you have flu-like symptoms? If you're good to play, you play. Can you imagine? What if uh, what if the, the same things we do for COVID, we did for the flu? Well, I guess you can go ahead and pack up that episode of The Last Dance because there wouldn't be no flu game. There wouldn't be no flu game, even though they, they cast some doubt on that game in that documentary, they, they did. But look, <laughs> it's, a, it's a legendary story, is it not? So, yeah. I, you know, I know it's, I don't know, man. We put this on YouTube, it, we might get thrown off the platform, but I think it's really time, if you're really serious about getting back to, to normal, which, I mean, I, I've been dying for that. For, I'm, I'm just so sick of looking at people with their faces covered constantly. It just annoys me to no end. Now you got states left and right. You got California, indoor mask mandate everywhere. Oregon, indoor mask man- mandate uh, in, uh, you know, for everybody. New York, that, the mayor up there is so ridiculous. He's out, he, he out of office in like, you know, two weeks or whatever. And he just, he just up there just, just, just literally pissing on everything. Don't give a flying, you know what? Just, I mean, <laughs> doing whatever he feel like. Oh, oh, I got a good idea. How about a private vax, a private business vaccine mandate? That's not, that's a good idea, right? Yeah, go ahead and implement that. Drink. We gotta gotta start asking criti- uh, uh, questions that require some kind of thought. Every headline, and especially the ones that really get on my nerves, is the health and safety protocols. What does that even mean? Could we, who, 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 who tested positive? Like who, who, that, that should be like, if somebody entered health and safety protocols, okay, did they test positive? Like, are they a close contact? What, what is the deal? And then the other question is, uh, who, who, um, who's testing positive that is fully vaccinated? Who's testing positive that is unvaccinated? Drink, 97% vaccination rate. It can't be, a, it can't be a, just an unvaccinated problem at this point. It just can't. So, I mean, I, I think I think we have to ask real questions, and we got to say, drink. I mean, what? At this point, I don't think a, an 100% vaccination rate is stopping this thing, because vaccinated people, they're getting it. They're getting it. They're testing right. positive. Thank now, I, I understand that they'll they got a much better chance of not getting hospitalized, not having a, a fatal outcome. But the un, but I mean, drink. These guys are in the best conditions of their lives, man. They, they the elite of the elite, physically speaking. I mean, now we got the whole thing with the NBA. They're gonna, if they if players ain't been boosted by what Friday, then they gonna have to undergo game day testing. Drink. I mean, this 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 kind of thing can't continue. The virus ain't going nowhere, not at this point. 
I mean, I, I know we got this new variant and everything, but I mean, who? everything I hear about this Omicron thing is it ain't that big a deal. Right. It's not, it's, it, I mean, and right. the thing about it, you, people may be transmitting it and all that, but the but no one's asking about, okay, who is getting really sick and who's dying? Nobody, especially, and especially among athletes, I ain't seen nobody, I ain't seen nobody die from it yet. And I know it's, I know it's a, a, a lot deeper than that. But if we postponing, if we postponing games with vaccinations and boosters and all the, and they still doing the masks and the social distancing, the mask is a joke, by the way, in the NBA. How, how are you going to tell me that the head coach can be out there with no mask uh, if he's vaccinated? Monty Williams, I guess he ain't had the vaccine. But man, I ain't, I haven't seen Monty Williams not wear a mask underneath his chin in at least a year. It is complete and utter theater at this point. We got we got we got to do better, man. We got to get back. To, we got to get back to normal, and we the virus ain't going nowhere. No, I'm I'm definitely with you again. I, I want to get back to normal ASAP. Um, I, I want to answer a question though. Um, one of the guys in in our chat. Um. The Say Hey JJ Kid. Um, he asked a good question. And then, like, I want to expound on this a little bit because I kind of agree with him. LeBron, recently, he either tested positive or he, he broke the protocol. Something happened where he ended up in the same safety and um, health protocol. And he had to pass two negative tests, like, within some, a certain time frame. And then he got the play. Do the other players not get this option, or am I, am I like, because that was a good point. I forgot LeBron even did that, but that's exactly what happened. So, do you have to be the face of the NBA to get that, or like, how how does that work? Why why don't I hear other players saying, you know, I want to just pass, I can get two negative tests and I can be back on the court in no time. Because hell, Billy Donovan is. He's telling the truth. Like, these dudes just sitting at home playing video games. I can't do nothing with them nothing because we got we got to shut down the gym. We got to go hire this cleaning crew, make sure every inch of the court is clean, wipe down the rims, make sure the top of the backboard ain't got none of that COVID dust. And then, <laughs> and only then, and only then can I bring them back. So it, I just I want to know why was LeBron able to come back in like four days? I think it, it was a, a pretty fast turnaround. If you so if you test positive, that that knocks you out for a set amount of time, right? And is, is that what we're saying? He didn't sit down the supposedly mandated I, I, amount of time. And and I think I think JJ wanted the mic to explain this, but like I don't know, I don't think he tests positive. Um, I just think he. What whatever the hell the, the NBA like this rule is so stupid I get lost in the sauce on what what's going on, but he did something either it was trace contact or something like that and they found yeah. out about it and then he entered the protocol for he was supposed to be in the protocol for ten days and then he got two consecutive negative tests within a certain time frame and he was able to play like on a Friday I remember the game where he was able to play. I just, I'm, what I'm saying is, like you said, none of these reports are saying that, okay, these guys test positive. All it's saying is they're entering the protocol. Yeah, what so is, I, 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 I think the public would do better if we, we knew more about what exactly that meant, because that, mean, that means very little to me. Like that does, right. that, that doesn't, 
judging by that language, everybody that enters that, not all of them test positive. And if I had to right. guess, I'd say at least half of them don't. And that's just, drink. what are we doing, man? Like, we don't do this for nothing else, drink. We don't. No, no, I, and I'm with you. I, listen, you got me when you say go back to normalcy. Like, I'm tired of wearing a mask, but I'm, I'm vaccinated. I, I mean, I guess I am due to go get the booster here. But, but like, but, but that's, but that's the problem right there. Like, and I want to know what, because this, this won't end. Drink. Like, you go out and get that booster, and I'm sure at some mm-hmm. point, like, the Department of Defense will come down and just they'll just whatever the CD says, they'll just nod their head and be like, oh, okay. We'll follow the science and just, hey, guys, go get your boosters. What is the fourth shot going to be called? Is it going to be the booster to the booster? What are you going to call it, the closer? No, you're not. This is, this is silly at this point, Drake. This isn't science, man. I, so, something tells me that it's going to be called quad something. The something <laughs> quad, quad, I don't know. Um, the quadrant. No, yeah, like, listen, I can't disagree. I, I can't disagree. I mean, I remember like maybe six months ago, we was having this conversation and I was trying to be careful because I'm like, I don't want people to believe that we don't we don't believe in a vaccine or we don't care that people are getting sick and this, that and the third. But at this point, it's like, come on, man. When when you have coaches out here pretty much saying, listen, my players, it's nothing wrong with them. I literally got to tell these guys that's getting paid millions of dollars to play the game they love, hey, so-and-so might be positive, so we got to shut down the gym. Was you with him? Yeah, coach, I rubbed his shoulder in the locker room. Oh, well, you got to go. Oh, yeah, coach, we was playing grab ass. All right, you got to go. You know what I'm saying? Oh, hey, coach, his son played with my son. He beat him in chest, but he was so mad, he spit on the floor. All right, get him out of here. Like, it's, this is like – that's why like i'm getting a little over it is because like you say this has become the world's number one excuse when you don't want to do something that you don't want to do drink, and that's what drink, makes drink, me drink. before before covid if somebody has flu-like symptoms and they're and it turns out that they can go battle through it they play right they play now what about that drink does that mean no, and I don't think anyone like even cared or considered, oh my gosh, if so-and-so over here play with the flu, he might come out here and breathe on somebody. And next thing you know, somebody else has the flu. We never did that drink. We never did that. And that was like, we had the flu shots and all that, but nobody was like in your medical records talking about, hey, uh, I see you didn't get the flu shot this year. Well, are you interested in still being employed? No one said that. This It's ridiculous. No, you're right. It's just... Like, like, I, man, I, I, I talk, you know, I talk to my wife, you know, me and my wife being, you know, employed by the government. Um, we talk about this all the time. Like, the work environments have just plummeted. Because if I don't want to do something, I can simply say, hey, I'm not feeling well. Like, um, I need to go get tested. I don't even got to say, I think I got anything. All I got to say is, I need to go get tested. And they go, oh, oh, hey, hey. Hey, stay at home for like three days, man. Don't, don't bring that mess back here. I go to a store. The store have bad customer service. Oh, well, we, we lack in personnel because of COVID. I see kids get left on the corner because bus drivers not coming in because, hey, their unemployment is too good. I ain't trying to drive a bus because I got COVID. Right, right. Like, it just seems like COVID is really starting to be 
I don't have to do my job. I'm getting paid by just saying COVID. I don't have to do my job to the best of my ability because I'm going to get bailed out because of COVID. It's the number one excuse on why people know. You could be, I could go out right now, slap the dog crap out of somebody, right? And be like, hey, this dude tried to give me, you know, COVID. He was, he was coughing on me. And I yeah. guarantee you, some cop going to be he, like. He wouldn't show me his vaccine card. You know, <laughs> cop be like, hey, man, listen. Yo, you can't be coughing on people, man. Hey, um, you didn't show me COVID card, man. Come on, man. You know better than that. Like, I can see that happening. And I'm like, oh, I just got away with slapping the skin off this dude. Buckets. You know what I'm saying? So that's my thing now is I'm just getting tired of COVID being an excuse for everything. Like, the Bulls can't play two games? How the hell do you even know if they're going to have enough players for game number two? Okay, you had to postpone the first game. Got it. Cool. They might be playing back-to-back. But something could happen between game one and game two. You could get two players back. You could get two negative tests. Hell, the guy in the chat said you can get one negative test and one inclusive. And that's evidently that's good enough. Maybe that's just for LeBron, but evidently that's good enough. So, with that said, man, um... And I, I know we don't we don't usually do this, but when we wrap this up, I want to give him a chance to um, yeah, speak yeah. his piece on the mic when we wrap this yeah. up because I want I'm curious about what he's gonna say. But yeah, man, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this COVID stuff, just like you, man. All right, y'all know what time it is. It's rapid reactions. A whole lot of topics. A little bit of time. Jake, the floor is yours. All right, former Heisman Trophy hopeful Spencer Rattler will be transferring from Oklahoma to South Carolina. Seems somewhat surprising to me. Drink, what do you make of this? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if South Carolina was the school that most people are saying, oh, the former number one overall, you know, recruit. Um, and the guy that looked to, you know, was going to be the Heisman favorite. And the guy that was going to be the number one uh, draft pick this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because the number one draft pick not even going to be a quarterback. But, you know, he picked South Carolina. He brought his big tight end, um, Sturgers, with him. So, um, this listen, South Carolina, they, they Shane Beamer's down there doing some things with this transfer portal. This team is going to look a lot different next year. We've seen what the transfer portal did for teams like Michigan State and others. So, that, I, I, listen, that, that's going to be nice. Indiana and Kansas have scheduled a home-and-home home series in 2022 and 2023 in college basketball. Does this intrigue you, Jay? Yes, it does. Uh, two blue bloods in college basketball getting together for a home and home. Probably, I mean, Indiana probably less blue blooded at this point, you know, due to their recent play. But the uh, thing I like about it is like a lot of these home and homes that we see are like, you know, t- five, ten years down the road. This one coming up quick, fast, in a hurry in the next couple of years. So uh, that, that's why I'm even more intrigued. Today in an interview on 105.3 The Fan, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said it was fair to characterize the recent play of Dak Prescott as a slump. You agree with Jerry? You're damn right I agree with Jerry Jones. Listen, Dak got everything he wanted. Yeah, he had to, like, kind of injure himself and hold out and do. You got everything you wanted, Dak. You got to come play. No more excuses. Hell, the offensive line ain't playing that bad. So, I don't I don't know what, what the hell the excuse is. But, yes, I agree with Jerry Jones. Dak got to play better. Then the Cowboys will play better after that. But, listen, it's no excuse. You're not playing up the part. You're not playing up to the contract right now. Two years, the two-year $50 million contract between the Houston Astros and ace righted Justin Verlander has been formally approved by the MLB despite the current lockout. How did this happen? 
Well, I think what it was is that the uh, the terms of this agreement got set up uh, before the collective bargaining agreement ended and the lockout began. So I think due to that, they allowed uh, the two parties to go ahead and uh, you know finalize this up, and uh, they're gonna let the ink dry on this one. I think I think they'll be okay. Jaguars owner Shad Khan says he won't be impulsive when it comes to first year head coach Urban Meyer. Whatever could he mean by that? So. I, I, and, and true transparency, my, my partner here, Jay, gave me a better explanation on this. Because at first, I'm like, what in the hell? What is he talking about? Like, impulsive. Like, are you going to fire the dude at the end of the season or not? Um, but, you know, with a little bit of education, I shall say, and a little bit of, um, you know, wordplay, um, it seems, you know, what he's saying is he don't want to fire him and then regret firing him. So, he want to make sure if he was to fire him after one season or fire him right now, that it's the best move for the team and not just him just doing something just because he's the owner. And I can respect that. I can't respect that. You want to do something for the team. However, hey, Con, I think you're in one of those rough situations where if you got rid of him right now, I don't think nobody will blame you because this ain't about productivity on the field. This is more, listen, you got proficiency, you got conduct. This is, this is in the conduct area. Uh, Urban Meyer is out here flopping around doing whatever he want to do. He, I mean, he don't even carry himself like a head coach. They ask some general questions about his offensive line, and his answer is, yep, yeah. Like, come on, man. Come on. I, I know some Pop Warner coaches that could have did better than that. So, you know, granted, he's trying to do the right thing as the owner, but I don't think nobody blame him if he, got, if, if he asks Urban Meyer right now. Florida State has extended the contract of football coach Mike Novell for one year. His contract would now expire in 2026. You like the move, Jay? No, you said uh, you you made this comment on Clemson earlier, and I think it also applies to Florida State. Uh, my have the mighty have fallen. A five and seven record will get you a, another year of a contract. They had no reason to do this. The dude contract run out in 2025, and it's not going to mean a thing, Drink. If he come out have two more five and seven years. They they probably fire him for that. So, no, I think this is a joke. Giants running back Saquon Barkley says he wants to finish his career with the team that drafted him and believes the team has bought into Joe Judge's philosophy. Well, that means, what'd you make of his comments? Joe Judge got a philosophy? Listen, um, here's the deal. I don't, I don't know what's worse. Saquon Barkley actually thinking he could finish his career with the Giants or him thinking that Joe Judge has a philosophy. I'm going to go um, no on both of these. Um, I think the comment is crazy because I don't think the Giants are even going to offer him an extension. I think they're going to let him go because he's hurt half of his contract. Joe Judge is about as bland as uncooked rice. We didn't already discover this. So we, I don't know what philosophy he's supposed to have. And I, I haven't seen the Giants just jump off the charts either lately. So that's what's that. So I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're drinking up in New York, but that ain't it. Oh, speaking of New York, the New York Mets had narrowed their managerial search to longtime skipper Buck Showalters and Houston Astros bench coach and Tampa Bay Rays bench coach Matt Corto. Who should the Mets hire? Yeah, the Astros bench coach was uh, Joe Espada. That's uh, my bust on that one. But uh, I would actually go Joe Espada in this case from the Houston Astros. Been the bench coach for them since 2018. Been a part of a lot of uh, a lot of winning teams. But I would not necessarily blame them if they went with Showalter because he's been around a long time. Um, he's won Coach of the Year twice. Uh, and I think maybe for the Mets, 
if you think the Mets are ready and you want an experienced manager to lead them, especially with the signing of Max Scherzer, I wouldn't blame them if they went off the safer Buck Showalter route. Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr had some fun with the media after last night's win against the Indiana Pacers by saying he planned to rest Steph Curry tonight against the New York Knicks. You thought that was funny, right, Drink? Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Steph Curry ended up in the health and safety protocol at this rate. Um, listen, I mean, they, they dropping like flies, folks. They dropping like flies. It just came across the, my phone. Giannis in the protocol. You going to miss the game on Wednesday or something, they saying. Uh, so, listen, I'm just saying, man, you don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised, man. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah, it was funny. But, no, man, with everything that's going on now, who knows? If we would really see them tonight. Last one. We got the Los Angeles Lakers. We got the Dallas Mavericks. Tomorrow night, live from Dallas. Jay, who you got? Who you got? They say Luka Doncic will miss his third straight game with a bad ankle. And with that being said, the Lakers better win this game. And I think they do. That concludes tonight's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nate the Drinker, and remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we gonna do. We gonna holler at you till next time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is A Drink of Wisdom.